it was so damaging to everybody that it probably... Do you want me to stop recording? I'm no, sorry. No, you can record. No, okay. uh, listen, th- we do this show. This is... De- okay, let's just... Let's bring you into this. This is Dear Anxiety. And it's a show about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. It's about mental wellness. Every day there's a new term that describes what a movement that people are trying to do. Now there's a woman who has a countdown about panic attacks. She she counts down from five to one, and her whole philosophy is about that, and she has her own television show Wait, now. what? Yeah. She counts down from five to one, and, from five and to at one. one she's going to t- have a panic attack? No, at one she's going to change and shift her behavior, oh. and this is like the foundation of a whole like thing now. There's a book, there's a show, there's a thing. Anyway... I never want to do anything with a number of seconds, because then like someone will do four seconds, you know? You don't want to <laughs> well, do that. <laughs> It's not a good marketing tactic. There's tremendous competition in the race to be well. (laughs) And that's what this is. It's like six-minute abs. Yeah. You want to do stuff like that. That's what we want to do. This show, with Dear Anxiety, you can think of it as a six-minute abs for your mind. That's right. (laughs) It's it's an ab mind thing. But I'm telling you that even though you're doing a show and you're doing a podcast and you're you're talking about parenting, you're talking about anxiety, whatever... It doesn't mean that you stop being a human being. You actually are a human being who is practicing. And, you know, we're all beginners in this. When it comes to mental health, we're all children, but we're all beginners because every day you have to begin. By the way, I'm Ed Krasnick. My partner is Rini Jane. How did we come to do this? Well, Rini actually started studying applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania with Martin Seligman, who was sort of the father of applied positive psychology. And she started a company called GoZen, which teaches people, kids, parents, family, schools, resilient skills and anxiety relief and anger transformation and how to stress better and all of these life skills at gozen.com. So, you know, so we're here and and I'm basically the before. Well, today's show is about originality and I couldn't be more excited because there's nobody who's more originally crazy than Ed Krasnick. (laughs) This is the show for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you like a combination of originality and complete craziness, talk to me. If you want to learn skills, (laughs) talk to Rini. (laughs) That's not true. And Ed is always saying that he is the before. And that is not true. I'm always shocked by people who say, wait a second, wait, how am I going to learn something from you if you're still learning this stuff yourself? We will never stop learning this stuff ourselves. If you guys are looking for advice from someone who has mastered life, that is not us. Right, Ed? Right. That's not us. Now, you, you, the Dalai Lama, when he has his podcast, maybe, maybe, or Thich Nhat Hanh, but maybe. But also, they're still, you know, I mean, as, as practiced as they are and as masterful as they are, I'm sure he still has emotions and thoughts. I'm, still, he, I'm sure he still has to work at it. Oh, Goodness, it is a work in progress every single day. I don't want to speak. <laughs> I don't, definitely don't want to speak for the Dalai Lama or or anyone really. But I can tell you for myself that it's a work. You know, you work and you evolve, and then you work again and you evolve some more, and then you devolve probably a bit, and then you try again. You know. Yeah, and I I think I, I think again these simple things, these simple practices 
are, you know, windows into a whole world of, of, you know, your spirit, your wellness, your ability to be fully present, all of these things. And the other night I completely lost, I, you know, listen, I'm a parent and, and I'm, you know, I don't always communicate well. And so as a result, you know, I guess I've been sitting on a lot of stuff and it came out. And it wasn't pretty. Did you have an eruption? I had an eruption. And then I, and and it was, you know, and I haven't had one of those in a long time. What I need to have is less of those and more of the everyday conversations. And I forget that. And so I wrote a letter to myself. When you erupt, what does it look like? Is it loud? Oh, it's, it, it, like I said, it rarely happens, but it's loud. And also verbally, it's crazy. It's cutting. Yeah, it's cutting yes. in it, but it's also crazy. It's also it's it's the worst kind of catastrophic thinking externalized. Oh so, yeah, so those you have, are the thoughts that should float by. Yeah, so you have all this catastrophic thinking, and then the energy behind it is is a lot because you know it hasn't been explored or expressed enough. So 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 that combination. But then you go back and you try to repair, and. I ended up going to a movie and I was crying during the whole movie and it wasn't about the movie, but I was walking around the theater with a big tub of popcorn crying <laughs> during the movie. <laughs> so, but you know what? Here's the weird thing about it. As much of the feelings were expressed poorly, it was great to feel because I started to feel alive. When you're in a state of emotion and sometimes the emotion comes and you let it out, you're alive. I mean, I think being alive that is that, not a bad thing. Being alive no, is where you want to be. Alive is important. Yes. Especially when you're recording a podcast. Glad we have two live people. We are not Autobots. And I want to say, Ed, that thank you for sharing that with us. I'm sure that was really hard for you and everyone who was there with you. But <laughs> I'm glad that you shared it. I hope you're being compassionate with yourself. And yes, it it brings us to life when that inner voice, sometimes some things left unsaid come out. Now, a lot of times we're saying things that we don't really mean, but I think that segues into our topic for today. Yeah. Originality. When you came, you said originality. And the funny thing about this is, you know, I'll say, well, should we do these four topics? And they're not bad topics. But Rini always comes back with like an answer for one thing, and it's always better. Um, so, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. So That's it's always true. <laughs> no, it's always better. So originality. I can't think of anything I'd rather talk about than than originality. Uh, first of all, what is it? What does it? What is originality? What when you say originality, what are you talking about? You know, I think of that Robert Frost poem. Right. The road not taken. And I don't you know, I can't recite it, but I can remember the end where he writes two roads diverge in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. And the reason that I think of that when it comes to originality is because I feel like we are at those crossroads on a daily basis sometimes. And what originality is, is the ability to stand at that fork in the road, close your eyes, and listen to that voice, to that inner voice that is who you really are, the person that you came in as, the things that you care about, 
the beliefs that you have, the way that you want to contribute to the world, all of these kind of form that inner voice. And so I feel that each of us has one of these voices inside of us. You know, sometimes it comes in literally a voice that you can hear in your head or images. Sometimes it's just a feeling in your heart or your stomach. And so your originality is within you. It's like your fingerprint of, you know, dare I say your soul. So that might be a little bit more than you bargained for, but that's that's how I feel. I think that's, yeah, that's a very good, I love that you quoted Robert Frost. I remember as growing up, Robert Frost was a big uh was a big influence and 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 Thoreau and I I used to go visit. <laughs> used to go visit with them. Were they your no, contemporaries? I'm pretty sure they, uh, they were. The early they're 1900s, actually a little. Right? They're actually a little bit younger than I am. Um, <laughs> I and Deepain Chopra will be somebody that comes uh, as a character later in the show. But no, uh, Robert Fra- in Boston, where I grew up, they had cemeteries that where all these people were buried. Ralph Waldo Emerson is buried in Boston. Henry Longfellow is buried in Boston. David Thoreau is buried there. And so I went to their graves. I went to the cemetery, not because I'm maudlin, but because I wanted to pay respects. So anyway, where does that connect with originality? Wow, that's amazing. You talk about the road less taken, the road less traveled. Originality is your nature. It's, it's, It's being, to me, it's being connected to your nature. If you're connected to your nature, you are both like everyone else, connected to the earth, connected to everyone else, and a complete original. And that happens simultaneously. If you're connected to your nature, what is your nature? It's it's spirit, it's spiritual, it's personal, it's how you deal with your thoughts and feelings. It's how you process living, you know, in the in this body, whatever this is. And so to be original, to be an original, if you, if somebody describes you as an original, that's one of the highest compliments you can get. It really is. Yet as a child, it's one of the scariest things to feel. And I think that some people think it's a cop out to say, you know, people will say, well, how do I uh, how do I channel my creativity or how do I become more original? You know, how do I become more creative, I think, is usually the way in which it's said. And I really of all the superpowers that we come into this world with, I feel like this one is one of the strongest. We become in creative and original and it is literally covered up by noise, by a lot of noise from the outside, noise from society, noise from our parents, noise from school, noise from conventions, traditions and rules. Right. And so we can't hear that voice anymore. So we come in incredibly original. You know, they do this thing. They Have you ever heard of parallel play, Ed? It's something that they talk about in like child development books. And for those of you who have younger kids who are listening, you probably know what this is. But two kids, you've probably seen it. They're really young, you know, two, three years old, and they will play next to each other, but they won't play with each other. Right. So they're kind of socializing, but not really. They're not interacting. So one kid's, you know, building a, a fort of blankets and sheets and maybe the other one's doing the same and the one kid kind of glances over what the other one's doing but they don't stop right they're doing their own thing there's no more of you doing you or you being you than when you come into the world because you're so original and you are not influenced by all of these other voices that create this noise around you so when parents say you know, I'm trying to tell my child that they're original and but they're having, you know, issues and struggles at school because they're different, quote unquote. And I'm telling them they're not different. They're original. I think this that they are. They absolutely are original and they do struggle with peer pressure. And it's hard to step into your originality. But originality is 
it's not cultivated, right? It's not grown. I mean, there are probably ways to supersize it, but it's something that we have and that gets covered up. And so what we need to do is kind of brush the dust off to get it back. I think it's fantastic. I think that you bring it up in that way. When I think of it, when you bring it up in that way, it could be used as an intervention into you know the issues that people have is it is is it occurred to me that that you said that that so many kids and it's not just kids it's everyone doubts themselves and rather than go back to that source of originality you think that that, that there's a problem you think that something's wrong and it's not that there's something wrong it's that you're not tapped into the source of who you are you're away from it and when you go away from it, you have resistance and you have struggle in your life. And and it could be a conversation. It could it could happen in a moment. But I've never heard people, and maybe you have this in the work that you do. Maybe this is what you're saying. When parents come to you and they said, my kid is struggling because they feel different. And you're saying, actually, your kid is not struggling. What your kid is, what, what your kid is experiencing is their original. And they don't know that that's okay to be. Yes. Yes. And thank you for putting it in that way, because that's exactly it. And I think that there is this big myth that there's no such thing as really like this inner voice and this intuition. I mean, I I think people believe it, but from a scientific level, a lot of people don't know that the heart can actually feel, think, and decide for itself. It has, it's like another brain. It has around 40,000 neurons and a whole network of neurotransmitters with these functions which make it an extension of the brain. And the reason that I'm bringing this up, especially for kids that feel a struggle in being different, right? When we talk about ourselves, we often put our hands over our hearts. It's kind of like this automatic, like, primal instinct that we have, right? It's it's the center of who we truly are. And I feel like when you teach kids to do that, to put their hand on their heart and take some deep breaths and to listen to that voice inside, that they can hear it. They can hear it much more clearly than us. So even if you have a child that's struggling with being original, right? They come home and they're like, I don't want to dress the way everyone does. I don't listen to the same music. I don't want to play the same things. I, you know, I have all of these different things that I want to do that interest me, that are led by my curiosity, that I'm feeling is who I am. And, I, you know, nobody really gets that. And I want to fit somewhere. They're having that struggle and you can really teach them to put their hand on their heart, right? In a time of calm, put your hand on your heart, take a deep breath, And listen to what your originality is saying, your inner voice is saying. And, you know, have some precious keys to your heart that you only give out to a few people. Because otherwise, your voice gets drowned out so easily because there are so many opinions and so many rules. But maybe you only have four or five keys that you give to the people that you trust in your life. And those are the people whose opinions really matter to you and that may affect your inner voice, may help it evolve. These are big concepts. And you're talking about something that's an, that's an experience. It's a spiritual experience. It's an essence. And it's hard to talk about those things without talking, you know, about 
you know, global things, but about big uh, in, in a big way. But you're talking about taking the global and making it really personal, which is physical. Put your hand over your heart. Speak to yourself. Speak to your originality. Um, connect with your with the essence of with who you really are. And that's I don't think that you can do enough of those kind of connections, those little cues that you can use in any situation in the day, whether you're eight years old or 20 or 50 or older, you need something that's personal. I feel like if people focused on those things, that would be a great way to get through a day. It would be a great way to reconnect with yourself because there's so many, maybe it wasn't this way when there weren't so many people in the world and when people were around nature and that was part of your, part of your life was to be around natural things. Now our lives are it's very, we have to go specially out of our way to be around natural things. We're, we're not around it. So you don't get reminded as much. But that kind of connection is really, is really important. What would you say, like, do you teach originality? Do you, te- and, and is this how you teach originality as a, as a superpower, as a strength? And is there a practice to it? Is this is this part of the practice? I think of- what you're talking about are these are exactly the practices, you know, and I love that you alluded to the fact that this is there's a spiritual aspect to it, right? There is an aspect of something sacred about this because it is it's really getting in touch with the essence of who you are. And so anything that can help you get to that place, whether it being going outside and sitting in nature, right, is will help you connect to your within. And whether or not you feel like your child, you know, whether they're young or if they're a tween or if they're going to college is going to roll their eyes at you for saying things like this, that's okay. You know, you can say it in a way to them that you think is accessible, make the language accessible, but you don't have to make it that cool, quote unquote, right? And and this is coming from someone who's in a business of speaking to kids in their language and reaching them where they're at and making things, you know, gamifying things and creating animations out of things. But this is a type of concept that just becomes a ritual in your house, essentially, right? So how do I teach my kids to be creative and original? You do not have to teach it. You just have to undo what's covering it up. And the way to undo what's covering it up is to teach them to connect with themselves. And I wish I could make it like super like do one, two, three, you know, but these are the simple exercises. And the great thing is the wonderful, amazing thing is, is that even if your kids are saying to you, well, I'm not going to do anything, you know, and you're not helping me. I mean, I still have to sit alone at lunch at school. And putting my hand in my heart's not doing anything. I will tell you what it does. It is a building a foundation of inner truth. You can lie to everybody else around you, but you can't lie to yourself for that long. And what you're doing with your kids and doing these little rituals is you're teaching them to trust themselves and you're teaching them to exercise this muscle of self-honesty. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. We, we usually role play. We, we act out these situations. What I'd like to do is I'd like to come to you. I'm not going to act them out, but I'm going to come to you almost like you were speaking at an event and I'm going to be in an audience and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to give you a scenario. And then you tell me something that I can do to connect with my originality or something to do that I would, you know, I'll do it. I'll do a couple of them. Okay. okay, sounds good. Yeah, These are make different sure you scenarios. Can make it. Give me some tough ones, you know, because sometimes sometimes people in the audience are tough. Let's get ready, people. Quiet on the set. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, here. Okay. I don't. 
Um, <laughs> my name is Frank. I was supposed to do something else. My boss is here. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. How you doing? Hey, so, Frank. Good to uh, have you here. Thanks for yeah, coming. Nice to meet you. How you do? Uh, no. So what I would say, what I would say is, you know, it's my boss does not. My boss is like, he's yelling at me all the time. He thinks I'm dumb. He doesn't think I should, Ouch. you know, and he, and he calls me that sometimes he calls me names. He calls me stuff. So, you know, I got to tell you, it don't, it doesn't feel good. So I, you know, and I never talk about this stuff. That's the funny thing is I never talk about it, but I'm talking about it now. Uh, and hopefully nobody knows me here, but I would say to you, like, what, you know, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? Because if I don't speak, if I speak up, I get fired. But if I don't speak up, I feel so badly, you know? Yeah, you know, when I see, so thank you for sharing that. I know that it's hard to come up here and say what's really going on in your life. So thank you for that honesty. I would say this, whenever I see behavior like that, whether it be a child or an adult, right? Because your boss calling you names is obviously immature behavior, right? So it reminds me of sometimes working with a kid that's displaying that kind of behavior. I always, you know, they tell you that trick where if you're giving a speech, you look at the audience and pretend like they're in their underwear and it makes you laugh. Well, when I am working with a kid or an adult that is not being the most mature and they're manifesting that kind of behavior, name calling, I look at them and I think about them standing on an iceberg, right? Standing on top of an iceberg. Because what they're showing us is the tip of the iceberg. When your boss is calling you a name, that's just the what. The tip of the iceberg is the behavior. And there's always something underneath, right? So what is in that deep icy water? And so because you're obviously more mature than your boss and not calling names back, I would try to just kind of cock your head to the side inquisitively and try to figure out what's going on beneath him. What is go did his did someone at home call him names? Is he in some kind of pain and he's boomeranging that pain out to me? Right? This obviously is not about my behavior. And if it's really getting on your nerves, there's absolutely a candid conversation that you can have with your boss about not doing that because it's not professional, but you know that just quashes the behavior. It doesn't quash what's going on underneath. So that's the first step that I would take. And in doing that step, what that does is it automatically sort of takes care of the second step, which is usually hard for us. Don't take it personally because you know it's about that deeper, you know, what's in the water. You know it's not about the tip of the iceberg. You know it's not about you. You know that it's about that other person. So as soon as you don't take what's going on personally, it just makes it a lot easier for you to make logical decisions. As soon as we get roped in to what our boss or teacher or mom or child is doing, we are brought down to that particular level then too. Now we're standing on top of an iceberg, right? And that's not going to help. So I hope that helps you. Really, it's about shifting your perspective and looking at your boss in a different way. and you know, you're, it's a tricky situation. You're not his therapist. So him opening up to you and connecting with you is in wanting help. I mean, that would be an open door for you to go in and try to help him. But otherwise, I would say the goal is for the work to be done on yourself and looking at it in a different way and not taking it personally. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
That makes sense, though. That makes sense when I think about it that way. Okay. Thanks, Frank. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> hey, hi, my name is my name is Gracie. I'm uh, 12 years old, and um, hi, Gracie. Hi, hi. I okay. I don't I don't have any friends at this school, and the the thing is, like, I don't I just don't connect with the people here. They all talk about like different stuff that I'm into. I just don't. You know, and it feels very lonely here. I feel so lonely here and I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with it. I feel like a freak, you know, I feel like I'm different than everybody else here. I hear what you're saying and that can be really hard, but I heard something else in what you were saying, which is that you don't really connect with some of the things that they're into. And I would love to know maybe some of the things that you care about. Can you tell me about well, a couple of things you really care about? Well, you know, I like, I like to read and I like storytelling and I like, I like funny things. Like there's this guy, uh, James Beach, and he's kind of sort of like a comedian and he does like Ted talk types things. And I watch his videos sometimes. And, um, I like Kristen Bell quite a bit. Um, she's kind of funny and I like music, you know, I like, I like, uh, some of the, the music that's out there. I actually, I like Adele. I don't know. I listen to some of her songs and people think I'm nuts. You know, people think I'm crazy, but I like all those things and I like to write. I like to write, but I don't wow, have anybody. Wow, you have that... a lot of interests. That's amazing. Listen but to I'm... what you're saying. You like, you like Adele. You like to write. You like to listen to different things, listen to different kinds of music. And I'm wondering, because you said people think you're crazy. So I'm wondering if you've actually shared some of what you like with some of these kids at school, have you actually been able to I have do. conversations like that? Well, I do, but they, you know, I they, then they shut me down really fast because that's not who they're into. You know, there's, there's a lot of video, a lot of kids are into video games and I, you know, I mean, some of it is okay. I like crossword puzzles and, but I'm not, I just don't have the same, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I, it's hard for me to talk about that stuff. It doesn't really interest me that much. I, I really understand. So here, I want to tell you a few things, and I'm not trying to give you the silver linings, but there are just so many of them that I have to tell you, okay? So one, I hear that it's really hard for you not to have a crew of people that you hang out with at school because they just like, you don't have common interests, it sounds like. But one thing that's huge for you is you have a very direct line to your inner voice, to the things that you care about, that you believe in, you know, that you are curious about, that you value. Those are all the things that form that little voice that we hear inside of us that kind of make us who we are. And most of the kids that I'm meeting and even a lot of the adults, a lot of times they forget that voice. And it sounds like yours is crystal clear and it's so important. So I think that's amazing. Please don't undervalue that. I like to hear that you're talking about the things that you like about, you know, about you know, the things that you care about. And I also hear that you're getting shut down. Well, one thing I think that happens sometimes is when we feel like we're different or what I like to say is definitely not different, but original when we all are. Sometimes we just keep our opinions to ourselves, our preferences to ourselves, what we like to ourselves. And I would say that I kind of think that that's a problem these days. I am not advocating that you argue with your friends. But I wonder if sometimes you can have a healthy debate and even try to pretend like you are giving a persuasive argument for some of the things that you enjoy. 
You know, like if someone says that they don't like Adele or someone says that they don't like these YouTube shows, maybe you can convince them to watch one and talk about why you do. Because what we know from the science is that they do this interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever done this in school, Gracie. Have you ever brainstormed before? Oh, yeah. 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 We, yeah. I like I actually I like that. And people say I talk too much, but I like that. OK, good. So in brainstorming, they have these rules of brainstorming that were created a long time ago. And one of the rules of brainstorming is that you're not supposed to give critical feedback. Basically, you're not supposed to say anything bad about anybody's idea. Right. Because that's supposed to produce a better idea. But you know what they did? They ran these experiments and they show that if you actually tell someone or you argue with someone or you criticize, you know, not the person, but the idea that actually produces better ideas. So anyway, all I'm trying to say is, is that you have original ideas. You have original things that you care about. You have things that make you you. And I think that's awesome. And I think don't stop trying to connect with someone because it only takes one person. That's the other thing about the science that's so funny. You are going to feel less alone just by having one person who connects with you on one of these things. And that's what we know from the research. So I feel you. I was exactly in that position as a kid where I felt like misunderstood and no one got it. I didn't have that many friends. I'm going to tell you to keep going. I'm going to tell you not to lose your inner voice. I'm going to tell you that you are amazing. And thank you for standing up and sharing today. Thank you. Cut, cut. We got it. We got it. Print it. That's a wrap. Everybody go to lunch. Pick up your check on the way out. Anyway, wh what we're trying to do here is is so so we're trying to illustrate that there are things that you can do every day that co that connect you. And often we have these experiences, right? Uh, these are common things that happen to people. And usually it's about what we say to ourselves, how we relate to ourselves in the face of what happens, what we experience. And <laughs> it's rare, I think, that most people stop and think about what they're saying to themselves. And what we're talking about today is originality. How do you keep going with what you, what your spirit is, what you, your inner voice is telling you? How do you do that during the day? Rainy, one thing we, we talked about, and, and I love these kinds of things, is that you put your hand over your heart and you connect with that part of you or you take a breath. And the other things are, you know, like you said, to keep going and even come out with what you're keeping silent in yourself or what you feel it's very about. easy to have a dissenting opinion and just keep it silent right but yes it grows our muscle of being an original self and owning what who we are by speaking it you know and i'm not saying to go everywhere and get in fights about politics and religion but what i am saying is that you know people learn from debating. People learn from having dissenting or diverging opinions. And so that is really important to teach our kids the ability to have a healthy debate, to have a healthy argument. Yeah. And then if you if you do have something where you feel like you're getting shut down or you feel like you're one against everybody, you need to connect with yourself at that point and just say something to yourself or maybe it's your hand over your heart or maybe it's something it's a way of holding your own hand or it's a message that you write to yourself it's a mantra and that is to keep going and to and to not to not go against who you are 
to not know resist that you're not you alone. Are. There are a lot of people who are resisting. There are people who, you know, this comes up a lot of times in peer pressure situations where I, I remember specifically somebody wanting me to teepee someone else's house when I was a kid huh. yeah. and thinking, I don't want to do that. You know, by the way, I did do it. So I was like nine or 10 years old and I felt awful right? I felt awful about it because it's very clear when you're doing something against your own original spirit, because basically what you're misaligned, you know, what you feel inside doesn't match your actions. And I never did it again. There were many, many times after that, that I was, I was told and I was asked, you know, like to do it again. And I never did it again. And I finally had the courage to say to these quote unquote friends of mine, I think it's really mean. I don't want to do it. I would hate if someone did that to my house. And I stopped. But that's hard to do. It's hard to just especially as you're growing up and you're trying to figure out where you fit. Wow. What is it that allowed you to do that? My voice inside was so loud. It was basically kicking my butt. And, you know, and it gives you the very useful feeling of guilt. Right. It's one of our it's one of the most useful things as like, kind of to keep your moral compass in your face. And I felt really, really bad about it. You know, that's what your inner voice does. This is wrong. I have a bad feeling about this. Right. It starts to tell you things and I couldn't stop the voice. And so that's what gave me the courage to do it. And then to withstand the looks and the jokes of being a wimp and who would say that and it's no big deal and getting through that storm. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Very cool that you have a, a, a strong voice like that, that you paid, paid attention to even then. I think that's great. And, and, you know, you're a parent and you're a teacher, you're, you're, you have your own company and you do all these things. How does that manifest itself in your life today? Well, how do you listen to that voice on a daily basis? Oh, my goodness. And so many things, you know, I feel like the examples I'm often giving are of having to go against the grain. And sometimes that is true. That's the case. So as a parent, a lot of times you're going against the grain, right? When your kid comes home and says, well, everybody else gets to do this. <laughs> everybody else gets to use an iPad. And I'm telling my kids, well, we don't do that here. You know, that's not something that we do in this house. And so you have to you're staying true to your inner voice and what you feel right. And I'm standing in non-judgment, but that's just how I feel, for example. But then there are a lot of other ways that I think it's not just about what once you're you're owning yourself, once you're like, this is who I am, then it's about really taking flight. Right. Because a lot of the examples we've been giving are, are given are about how to manage distress. But then it's about taking flight because a lot of the work that I do, you know, people will say, oh, it's very creative. It's very original. And I notice that the more I generate ideas the more ideas I have. And interestingly, I researched this, that the, the most innovative people actually have come out with the greatest quantity of ideas. So maybe it wasn't that they were just innovative, you know, it's that they kept trying and they came out with like hundreds and thousands of ideas. So one of the things that I do to kind of work on my originality muscle is I'm constantly have these huge, massive lists of things that I want to do, you know, ideas that I want to work on. So that's just kind of one way I hone that skill. Hmm. And you're always scribbling. You're always drawing something in a book, right? Like Constantly. When and I cannot draw for those of you that have ever seen my doodles. Um, but I do have lots of ideas, artistic ideas, because I feel like the presentation of any of 
any educational tool needs to be presented in multiple ways. Whether people believe in, you know, learning differences and different styles of learning or not, I feel like there is a value add to putting words next to art. And so, yeah, I am right now in front of me (laughs) as I was repeating the lines of Robert Frost. I actually doodled it. I have this Mm. road and the stick figure standing in front of it. And the reason that I was doodling it as I was saying it to you is because I was wondering, I wonder what that sign would say. You know, I drew a little sign. So it's a road. It's like a fork in the road. And then there's a little like a stake in the ground and there's a sign on my doodle. And I wrote the answer lies within on the side Mm. on the sign. But I'm wondering for those of you who are listening, what your sign would say. Ed, what would your sign say? Scones, five miles. <laughs> um, no, no, I you cannot uh, scones, help that's yourself out. Oh, by <laughs> the way, I just <laughs> lost a tooth on my mic. <laughs> oh boy. Well, okay. So yeah, mine would probably say, probably say, look inside. Mm, yeah. So I think that that's a great place to to leave you guys today. Yeah. What does your sign say? What does your sign say? Okay. So now here's what we need you to do though. We need you to not only think about what your sign says, but send us a picture of your sign and send it to gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. Gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. Keep subscribing, keep listening. We're getting some great comments and we have a nice community. We have a, a number of, a lot of people listening and we want to, we want to have a con- an ongoing conversation with you. What does your sign say? And then we'll see, we'll see what happens from that. But that's really interesting. That's something I'm going to sit, sit down and do when I can later today. Absolutely. And we want you to keep listening. As I say, keep subscribing and keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Bye, guys. Thank you.